0: love that song you can be seated everybody's having a good night everybody good okay. right. looks like it Cole so a couple weeks ago when we were doing Q&A in this service I believe somebody texted in I think it was Ryan and said and said who would win in a race between Perry and Cole and there's been a there's been a debate now for what about two weeks when we do this Cole pay attention are you, you're not paying attention. You're not even paying attention. Y'all pray for Cole. Anyway, so we got this. It's been, there's been some tension going. And so last night, we might have gotten a little bit of a text war. And, and I think we got it narrowed down to a, a 200. Sure. Well, are you like 200? Yeah, or less. Whatever you or, or less. <laughs> One, 200. Perfect. Okay. So Cole and I eventually are going to race. We will, we will broadcast this live um it's now to be fair to be fair cole ran track in college um and i um i I saw a track in college and so but it's it's gonna happen so i'm just gonna we're just gonna take a survey i'm just kind of curious how many people how many people are now you can only vote once how many people think cole's gonna win How many people think I'm going to smoke him? Uh, Addie's support. No, and some of y'all are just indifferent. Way to go, Switzerland. Glad you're here. Um, anyway, oh man, where's my switchy thing? Is it back here? Hold on. Oh, there it is. Who did it? Oh, that's a bad song. Anyway, my shirt tonight, I know some of y'all are wondering about my shirt, Troublemaker. Um, it, th- first of all, it's not for sale. We don't, we don't have these for sale unless you want to pay the building off. I'll give you this one off my back. But um, this has to do with the person and the work of Jesus. And I'll get to that in, in just a minute. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever intentionally picked a fight with somebody? Okay. Now, wow. Okay. Now hold on because we've got some violent people. We've had violent people all day. I'm not talking about like just a fist fight. I'm talking about you started an argument, like a, like a, okay, okay, good, good, good. How many are sitting next to somebody that should be raising their hand? Okay. You just picked a fight. Way to go. Congratulations. Um, how, how many of you have ever picked a fight with somebody in your mind and you won the, like you, but you never have it with them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every once in a while, we'll just, we'll pick a fight. And some people here tonight, maybe you're wondering what does picking a fight have to do with church or Jesus or God or Christianity? Well, I'm glad you ask because Jesus, when we read through the scriptures, was a troublemaker. Jesus intentionally picked some fights. Now, I know we're not used to that. We're used to like holding a lamb, Jesus, sad face, Jesus, making peace, Jesus, giving a hug, Jesus. But if you read through the scriptures, it's fascinating the number of times that Jesus intentionally healed on the Sabbath day. Why did he heal on the Sabbath day? He was picking a fight. Jesus was a troublemaker. Jesus made trouble in the people's, in religious people's lives. And this is what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that Jesus was a troublemaker then and Jesus is a troublemaker today. He will either cause trouble or allow trouble to come into our lives because he knows that if he doesn't, we're going to go down a road this got a dead end and we're going gonna, we're gonna to wind up in a bad place. I love the fact that we have a God who is good enough to cause some trouble in our lives to keep us from the worst trouble further down the road. Is anybody with me on this? All right. So tonight, tonight, I want to take you to Jesus's first sermon. This is, this is his r- rookie debut. He hadn't preached yet. And he gets to preach for the very first time. And I was thinking about my first time, the first time I ever preached. Um, I've got a tape of it that nobody will ever get to hear, but it was eight and a half minutes long. That was the entire sermon. And some of you are like, can we go back to that? No, that eight and a half minutes is an introduction. But this was Jesus' first sermon. And let me set up, oh, let me put this down. Let me set up the context really quick. Jesus had just been out in the desert fasting for 40 days. 40 days. I can't go 40 minutes without food. I get hangry. All right. Can you imagine 40 days without food? And then after he fasted for 40 days, the devil, like the devil came and tempted him. Now, I'll talk about this more at another time, but I have had people tell me, Pastor P, pray for me. The devil's been messing with me now. and like, and one night, I think it was after five o'clock service, I was just kind of tired. Somebody's like, the devil's been messing with me. I was like, he probably hasn't. <laughs> what? No, the devil, devil probably hasn't been messing with you. Like, what do you mean? Well, God is omniscient. God can be everywhere. The devil is not omniscient. He can only be one place at one time. And I'm pretty sure it's not Anderson, South Carolina. I mean, now, some, of the, some demonic force could be at work, and like I said, that's a whole other message for a whole other time. But the devil himself came and tempted Jesus. And Jesus, all three temptations, did something that all of us can do. He defeated the devil by quoting scripture. He didn't pull some supernatural power. He quoted scripture. More specifically, if I'm not mistaken, all three times he quoted out of the book of Deuteronomy. So when you start quoting out of the book of Deuteronomy, man, you got the devil beat, okay? So then he, he has just came off this fresh victory, fasted, I'm sure he probably got some food after that, and, and defeated the devil, and this is where we're gonna pick the story up, okay? Verse 14 of Luke chapter four. Then Jesus returned to Galilee. Now stay with me here. Filled, filled with the, and let's say this together on three, one, two, three, Holy Spirit. Power. I forgot that. It's not on y'all, it's on me. He's, he's filled. He's not like some people when it comes to the gas tank, it, that he was like a cool with a half tank or a quarter tank, or let's see how long we can go even though the light's on and the car's blinking at me and telling me I'm gonna run out of gas. Okay, he was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Now, keep that in mind, because you got the Holy Spirit right here in this hand. Holy Spirit's power, which by the way, that same power that he was filled with is available for all of us who are in Christ. It's, it's like the best deal going, okay? He's filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region, people are like, have you seen like, his Facebook followers, Instagram? Everything's just blowing up. They're going crazy over this Jesus guy. He hadn't even spoken yet. He's just walking down the street, and they're like, there's something different about that guy. It's amazing. And then verse 15 says this. He taught regularly in their synagogues. Now, pause. A synagogue was a place where Jewish people would gather together every single week for the purpose of of worshiping God. Kind of sounds like church, doesn't it? Now, they met on Saturday, all right? We meet on Sunday today. Now, why do we meet on Sunday instead of Saturday? Because college football, duh. Um, I, no, I'm just kidding. Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. That's why we meet on Sunday. Um, but it doesn't matter when you, when you meet. Um, the point I want to make, and Luke is going to make this point a couple times in the text, is Jesus, Jesus went regularly to the synagogue. Not occasionally, not if he woke up and felt like it. And I'm just saying, if Jesus went to church on a regular basis, his followers should do the same. Now, I know some of y'all are like, you're preaching to the choir, we're here. I know, people online, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, we love our online family. And watch this, watch this. Was praised by everyone. Now, I know something about every single person in this room. We like it when people say good stuff about us. We we do. I I have people go, I don't care what people think. That's not true. You really do care what some people think. And at the end of the day, If I've got a choice of somebody coming up to me and building me up or cussing me out, I'm going to choose the build me up thing because I've had plenty of the cuss me out thing before, okay? I like it when people say good things, but it's a trap when we get addicted to what people say about us. And so people are saying good stuff about Jesus. They're like, man, this guy's. have you heard him? He's got some good stuff. I went to his merch table, bought a t-shirt. I bought a Jesus t-shirt, got a bumper sticker from a camel. Can't flip anybody off now when they pull out in front of me. I'm kind of limited in my hand signals, but man, this Jesus guy is good because he's full of the Holy Spirit's power. Y'all remember that? Okay, good. Seven people. I'll get y'all there. Don't worry, that's on me. That's not on y'all. I'll get y'all there. Watch this. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he grew up in Nazareth. From the age of a baby until he's like 30 years old, he worked as a carpenter. Can you imagine having a coffee table built by Jesus? It's like, yeah, it's amazing. You put you put the water on the coffee table. It turns into wine. We don't know. We don't know what. We just, we just, everybody keeps coming over to our house for our coffee table. Um, that didn't happen. I made that up. His boyhood home. He went as usual. There it is again. You see what Luke's doing? See what he's doing? As usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Let's say it on three. One, two, three, scriptures. So, so this is what we got, don't miss this. Holy Spirit and the scriptures. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. And here's what's so amazing about the Spirit of God and the Word of God. They work together. They don't oppose each other. For example, when I was a student pastor, I remember having a pretty intense conversation with two students who were dating and having sex and they were, they were like 100% sure it was okay for them to have sex because quote, the Holy Spirit told us it was okay. And I said, no, he did not. We listened to the Spirit. I'm like, no, you're listening to your pants. Keep your pants on is what the Holy Spirit would tell you, right? Like, because the word of God is very clear on the of, uh, subject of sex. For marriage, no. After marriage, get some Gatorade, multivitamins and make up for lost time, amen. So I, I'm just saying, I didn't say that this morning. So y'all get the good stuff. So you got the Holy Spirit and, and the scripture. Now, people that are obsessed with the Holy Spirit but aren't grounded in the word of God, they'll lead you astray. But people that hyper-focus on the Word of God and pay no attention to the Spirit of God. These people are some of the angriest, meanest, most bitter people I've ever seen. And they don't speak life over people. They speak death and blame it on God. I'll prove it to you. Moses goes to the top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, to get the law from God. And the Israelites lose their mind. They go crazy. And God tells Moses, you're gonna to have to go down there and take care of that. So imagine this, this is, the symbolism is powerful. The law, the word of God comes down the mountain, confronts sin, and I want you to see what happens. In the book of Exodus 32, it says, the Levites obeyed Moses' command and about 3,000 people died that day. How many? About How many? 3,000. But in the New Testament, in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit falls, and then Peter preaches the word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, check this out. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000. Huh, I'm sure that's totally a coincidence. All I'm saying is... We don't have to choose spirit of God. Or it's, it's both and. We have the spirit of God and the word of God and the work as a check and balance for one another to equip us to walk in an abundant life. Isn't that good stuff? Isn't that? Anybody, 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 come on. All right. So he, he's in town, right? And, and then the Bible says, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet, because they didn't have Bibles, they had scrolls. They just had, and Isaiah is a big scroll because they're like 66 books of Isaiah. So, um, chapter, sorry. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. That made me think macaroni and cheese. Stay with me. Stay with me. Um, I love mac and cheese. Like, love it. Look, that's not code for bring me mac and cheese this week because I'm picky about the mac and cheese that I eat. Like, don't bring me your craft stuff in the box. I ain't eating that. Don't, don't bring me your fake macaroni with your with your skim milk and your. I can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe I'm in your kitchen. All right, I, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing. I like real eggs, real butter. And some people are like, I am lactose intolerant. Well, sucks to be you. I'll eat all of the gluten and the lactose and everything. Like, give it to me. And if I'm lactose, that's I will die happy because I love some macaroni and cheese, y'all. But I learned something years ago going to church fellowships. Not all macaroni and cheese is the same because some people can cook. And some people can't. And you don't know. So when you go to somebody's house for the first time, and by the way, for those of y'all that have relocated to the South from up North in the South, mac and cheese is a vegetable. Thank you very much. Like right up there with broccoli. So it's gotta be healthy. So you go to somebody's house, if you put a lot on your plate and it's not good, and the person, you gotta eat it. So I learned a long time ago, just get a little bit of mac and cheese. Cause if it's good, and you go back for seconds in the South, that's a compliment. You go back for seconds. Now, I said it this morning, she was here at 915. Um, Wanda Fulp makes the best mac and cheese on the planet. And you, like, and she's, whew. Some of y'all like, I want some, I'm telling y'all, it will change your life. But the very first time I went to her house, I remember I just put a little bit on my plate. I'm sitting there eating it. And if something's good, you want more, am I right? That's why we're invited in the book of Psalms to taste and see that the Lord is good. God says, you know what? Just, just have a taste. You know why God invites us to do that? Because he knows if we get just a little bit of the spirit working in our life, we're gonna want more. I want some more of that, Lord. Give me some, give me, I want seconds, I want third. Give me some more of your spirit working in me. And it's crazy because when the spirit starts working, y'all, he starts pushing our ideas out and replacing them with his. And they're better. Okay? Now stay with me. This, this is what else. After this, he said, For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now, I've been poor before. And when I say poor, I'm talking super poor, like homeless poor. So I know what it's like to have nothing, and I know I know what it's like to live in a nice house. I've been on both extremes, okay? But here's the thing I know about a poor person. If a poor person thinks that you have something to offer them that they need, they'll take it. They'll take it. I remember one night I was downtown and this this lady said, Do you have $10? And normally I don't do this. Normally I don't. Normally I'm like, I'll buy you some food, but I just, I was like, hold on for a minute. And I pulled, I had some money in my um, pocket and I pulled it out and there was a 20 and a 10. And I, I had the 10. And she said, wait, how are you going to give me a 10 when you got a 20? I said, you asked for a 10. She said, why don't, you, why don't you give me the 20? I said, why don't I give you nothing? She said, I want the 20. I said, here's the 10. She said, I want the 20. I walked away. Some of y'all are like, that's cold hearted. Well, she made the choice. Later later on, that same week, a guy walked up to me and said, you got any money? I was like, dang it, what is happening? The guy's like, I'm giving you a sermon illustration. So I reached in my pocket, I had a 20. And I normally don't do this, but I I said, I'm going to give you this $20 bill. And his eyes lit up. And I'm not, we're just gonna say his name was Rick. I said, Rick, I need you to promise me right now that you're not gonna buy drugs or alcohol with this money. He said, I promise. I said, Rick, I'm a preacher. (laughs) I did this, downtown Anderson. I said, let's pray right now. He said, yes, sir. He bowed his head. I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, God, thank you for Rick. Thank you for this $20. God, if Rick buys drugs or alcohol with this 20, I pray curses on him in the name of Jesus. I pray he gets diarrhea. I prayed this out loud. I don't know what he did with that $20, but he walked away scared. This is what I know though, because there's probably not a lot of poor people, like poor, poor, like truly poor people in the room. But if we were sitting across the table from Elon Musk, compared to him, we're poor. And let's say he said, I'd like to give you a Tesla. I would take it. Now, there's always one. I wouldn't take it. Well, it's because you're dumb. That's why. I mean, you can at least flip it if you don't like it, right? So if we would take, and if we could recognize that Elon Musk has more than us and we would take what he wants to offer us, what about like the creator of the universe? What about God? What about what he has? And compared to him, we're spiritually poor. And God goes, I want to change that. I want to invest my resources into you so you can be rich in your walk with Christ. How good is that? That's, that's good, isn't it? I'm going to keep going because somebody's going to get it in a minute. Watch this. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. Now, the Israelites had this in mind. They wanted, if you can believe this, they actually believed, it's so prehistoric. They actually believed that one day, a political leader would ascend to the throne and lead their nation to complete freedom. Isn't it crazy that once upon a time, people believed that political leaders would actually change the world? I know it's insane. Now, we, you don't get a lot of amens because there's some people in here, you got a political messiah. You don't, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm telling y'all. I said it, I'm gonna say it again. They both gonna be in prison. Um, <laughs> but they they wanted, they wanted the kingdom of David and Solomon to be reestablished. And they thought if we could just get the kingdom of David and Solomon reestablished, that's all we want. So this is what they wanted. This is how big the, king, the kingdom of Israel was under David and Solomon. It is, uh, it's in the Middle East. This is the Mediterranean Sea. This kingdom of Israel under David and Solomon. This is what they had in mind and this is what God had in mind. Why in the world would we settle for this when God says, this is what I want. To, God says, these are your thoughts. These are my thoughts. These are your ways. These are my ways. And, and When we get out of this mindset and into this mindset, that, my friends, is when we can step into freedom. And I know for a fact there are people in this room tonight, people watching online tonight, God has set you free from something. He sets you free from addiction. He sets you free from depression. He sets you free from anxiety or worry or doubt or fear. I wish I had five people that would get excited with me tonight about the fact that God sets people free. I, he's in the process of setting us all free if we will submit to his spirit and his word and keep tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and adopt his plans instead of our plans. And Jesus went on to say this. He said, that the blind will see. You ever fall in love with a crazy person? Don't point. I'm not talking about currently. I'm talking about like middle school. You were so in love. I, love. I love them. And a week later, you're like, dear Lord. Lord, what was I thinking? You were just blind. We've all, we've all got some blind spots in our life. All of us have blind spots in our life. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. This is, this is what I love. I wrote this down in my journal this week because it, it blew my mind. I saw this. If we will lean in to the word of God and the spirit of God, we will never have to live an unguided day in our life for the rest of our life, ever. Isn't that great? Like, like he, didn't, he didn't say, all right, I'm in your heart, go. I mean, that would be so confusing. No, he said, I'll, I'm the light of the world. You might not be able to see 10 steps down the line, but Jesus said, I'll always show you that next step. By the way, if your next step's baptism, go ahead and get signed up. Plugged it again. There we go. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Now, all of this right here—if all of this is true, which by the way I think it is—this would be like good news. Correct? This would. This is like the stuff that we want to tell. This could change the world right here. And so the Bible goes on to say this: He rolled up the scroll, which I think is kind of funny. I think it's just kind of funny. Can you imagine Jesus rolling? I have the, okay, some of y'all got that and some of y'all didn't. And for those of y'all that got it, y'all need to knock that off. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are like, I don't know what he meant. See, uh, see one of our staff members in the lobby after the service. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Have you, have you ever been in one of those moments where everything just gets quiet? Staring. He's staring at them. They're staring at him. Everybody's like, what's going to happen? I think he smirked. I can't prove it, but I think he did. I think Jesus smiled a lot. Then he said this. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. This blew my mind. Because have you ever met a Christian that's too obsessed with heaven? It's okay to say yes. It's okay to say yes. I met a guy one time talking about heaven. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I really am. But I got some stuff on earth that I would love to see and do before I go. And he was like, young man, once you get on the other side of glory? And I was like, I don't even know who you are right now. What just happened <laughs> to you? You gonna say, I was like, well, if you're so excited about going, you wanna go today? And he changed his countenance. Now, listen, I'm all about some heaven. I love heaven. Um, I do want to go. I don't necessarily want to go today. If God takes me there today, that's fine. And I'm sure if you're a Christian, like heaven's going to be great, like streets of gold, right? Everybody gets a mansion. No more sickness. No more death. No more traffic jams. No more taxes. I mean, it's going to be awesome. And I I would love... There was was once in my life as a Christian that I wasn't sure that I wanted to go to heaven. And let me explain this, okay? Because I was at an event and there was a guy speaking and he was trying to get people to come forward during the invitation. And when preachers get desperate during the invitations, we do drive-by guiltings. We say some crazy stuff. And this guy was trying to get us confessed in. And this is what he said, young people. When we get to heaven, we all gonna walk into a movie theater and we're gonna sit down, and everybody in eternity is gonna get to see the entire story of your life. And I went, Oh, I'll go to hell. I, I, I will I will go to hell. I am the engineer on the Hell Express. Toot toot. Like I am. Can, can you imagine sitting next to your mom? Okay. okay. Oh, God. So and then I talked to a friend of mine after that and he confirmed that that was not true, okay? So by the way, that's not true because we know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why would he take us to a place and make us feel bad? But this is what I love about Jesus because he said, "Um, let's talk about today. The reason heaven is so easy to talk about in churches is because it's, in our minds, out there somewhere. And Jesus goes, hey, guys, let's talk about right now. Today. What's your walk gonna look like with me when you wake up in the morning? Y'all feel how real it just got? It just got real, didn't it? Jesus like, no, yeah, we can talk about heaven. But what about right now? What about that addiction? What about that sin you need to confess? What about that Thing you need to ask for help with. It's a little bit more personal, doesn't it? So, so everybody's like starting to squirm a little bit. And then all of a sudden, everyone spoke well of him. So even though he made it a little tense, they're looking at each other going, I told you this guy's got it. He's awesome. Everybody, And once again, all of us love it when people say things well about us, but you gotta, you got to watch it. you got to watch it because I had a guy tell me this one time and I didn't understand it when he said it, but I understand it now. Those that deify will also crucify. At the beginning of the week when Jesus came into Jerusalem, they said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By the end of the week, they the same crowd was saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That's why you can't buy into what everybody's saying, especially on social media. I had to learn the hard way that what people say about you on social media, listen, it should, you are literally letting them hijack your emotions. It's not their fault, it's ours. I just took, I don't even read the comments anymore. Every once in a while, I'll, <laughs> I'll pick a fight. <clears throat> so they're like, this guy's amazing. And they're like, isn't this Jesus? He grew up, didn't, didn't we see him play soccer? Didn't then we see him running around, then we see, like, we saw him. Is this the same? Yes, yeah, the same guy. And then the Bible goes on to say, then he said, You will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown, like those you did in Capernaum. And 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 people were like, What's he saying? Jesus right here is starting to pick a fight. And then he goes on to say. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Something just occurred to me, literally just occurred to me. I've never seen this before, I literally just saw it. Jesus called himself a prophet. He called himself a prophet. A prophet was someone who declared the word of God, and they were fine with him being a teacher, but when he called himself a prophet, that's when the problem started. We got to ask ourselves the question, I'm feeling this right now, is Jesus somebody who teaches some good stuff, or is he the prophet in our lives who has the authority to declare to us what is right and what is wrong? Ooh. told y'all y'all get extra stuff at five o'clock. And then I got to set this up. Let me set this up. In this time period, Jesus' time period, 2,000 years ago, Jews hated Gentiles, okay? Now, some of y'all are like, what's a Gentile? If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. Welcome to the club. Jews hated Gentiles and, to be fair, Gentiles hated Jews. Can you believe there was a time in the history of the world where one group of people hated another group of people based on race? Isn't it great how far we've come? We've advanced so much. That's why I love the Bible. It speaks to events that are going on in our life today. So because the Jews hated the Gentiles, The Jews didn't want anything good for the Gentiles. And to be fair, the Jews had been enslaved by the Egyptians, by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, and the Romans. So if somebody comes along every like 100, 200 years and just enslaves your nation and beats you up, they're not going to be your favorite people. So the Jews wanted good things for themselves and bad things for those people. Now, the reason I bring that up is just ask everybody in the room to check your heart and ask yourself, do you have a a category of those people in your life? You know, those people, the messed up ones, the dirty, the nasty. Because when we start saying those people, we lose sight of the fact that it took the same blood of Jesus Christ to pay for our sin than it, does, than, it, than it does for those people. We just got to remember that. So with that in mind, remember they didn't want anything good for the Gentiles. And Jesus picks a fight. This is what he says. This is his first sermon. He doesn't even make it a hundred words. Watch this. Certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel... Jewish, in Elijah's time. Now, they all knew the story of Elijah because this had been passed down orally and they had heard it in the synagogue. When the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, the Jewish people. He was sent instead to a, one of those people, a widow of Zarephath, in the land of Sidon. In other words, Jesus steps up and goes, hey, this good news that I just preached to y'all about the poor and the blind and all this stuff, it's not just for us, it's for those people too. And this made them mad, but Jesus didn't back down. Have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where like, if he, if he says that one, just say it one more time. Say it one more time. My dad told me to do that one time, and I'm literal, so I thought he really wanted me to say it. He said, say it one more time, and I did, and I never did again. But they're all sitting there, and they're getting angry. I'm sure somebody was like, "Say it, say it one more time. And Jesus, he's a troublemaker. Watch what he said. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha. But the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. Jesus brought up two references to one of those people being blessed by God. And the people were, well, just watch what happened. Watch this. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. At Jesus. This is his first sermon. Son of God. Everybody, before he preached this, they were like, yeah, go. And he starts preaching like, uh, ah, ah. and then he said, and, and, and they're getting convicted. Now we got two options when we get mad. We can receive what God wants to say, or we can get mad. Here's the, oh my gosh, I didn't say this this morning either. I have met angry people in church. Have you ever met angry people in church? And people, Listen. There's real church hurt, and then there's fake church hurt. Can we talk about this for just a second? Real church hurt is when you got real church hurt. Fake church hurt is where you got convicted by the Spirit of God about something going on in your life. Maybe you got confronted in love about said thing going on in your life, and instead of repenting about the thing going on in your life, you left the church, got mad, and called church hurt. And the reason I know this is because if I'm talking to somebody in the lobby and they tell me their church hurt story, now some of them are true, but I always say this. I'm giving you away one of my secrets. Tell me about the church you just came from. And they always tell me about the church. And you know what I discover? A lot of them came from two, three, four different churches. And and I've literally told somebody standing in this lobby, sir, you know the common denominator in your story is you. I mean, what are they going to do? Fire me? Like, I don't care. Well, you're going to say something nasty about me on Facebook? <laughs> Get in line. I, I just, I would rather you stop blaming a lack of repentance on churches and just be like, you know what? I just don't want to do what God wants me to do. That's at least honest, right? Whew, I love this tension. I do, I love it. Jumping up, they mobbed him. Okay, he just started ministry, didn't have a security team in place, and he gets mobbed. Because I read this and I am like, somebody should have tased somebody. I mean, that's, they, they, mob, they mobbed Jesus. and He's not even past his introduction. I've preached some bad sermons. I've preached some controversial sermons. My first deacon's meeting I ever got to go to in a Southern Baptist church was after a sermon I preached in the church. I got invited to the deacon's meeting. I thought I was gonna get a raise. I almost got fired because I said the word crap in the pulpit. I'm not making this up. So they mobbed Jesus and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff. What the actual Fuddruckers is happening right here? Are y'all watching this? They're going to kill Jesus. Don't miss this. Religious people, when you break their laws, they will break God's laws. Because thou shalt not kill is at the top of the list. But they were so angry about preserving the word that they were literally going to break God's word to kill Jesus because he said something they didn't like. We do the same thing. We'll kill the work of the spirit in our life when he starts to begin to stir and do something we don't like. we can either receive it or kill it so they're getting ready to kill him and Jesus pulls off one of the smoothest, most epic things and this is one of my favorite things that he did. it don't get talked about a lot because we don't understand it I don't fully understand it but the Bible says in oh I forgot this, see, five o'clock. Speaking of this, let me, let, me, let me talk about a couple things before I get there. Religious people wanna throw you out if you don't agree with their agenda. So two promises I'll make you here, the second chance. And y'all have heard me say this before, we will never love of you more than we love you, ever. I, I'm, I'm thankful that everybody who walks in these doors, walks in these doors. I really am. I heard a guy say on a podcast last week, I still hadn't decided I might call him. I've got his number. I might call him. Because he said, you can't just get on stage and say everybody's welcome in our church. I'm like, yes, you can. Everybody's welcome. Really, when we open these doors, you, we, we've got people that have been in church for years, and we've got people that are, that are addicts. And they walk in these doors. And our hope is when we create an environment where we can experience the presence of God, eventually we will walk out different than we walked in. And we we have incredible stories. But when I say this, don't get it twisted. Just because we say we'll never love a view more than we love you doesn't mean we don't have a view. For example, I'm pro-life. I'm unapologetically pro-life. I've never voted for a pro-choice candidate in an, any election, and I never will. Now, when I had somebody challenge me this one, one time, and it was good. They said, how, how are you going to be a single-issue voter? I'm like, well, when it comes to murder, I'm a single-issue voter. Y'all feel that, the tension? See, nobody talks about this stuff anymore. But on the flip side, if you're in this room and you've ever had an abortion, I'm so glad you're here. I I hope you know, hold on, hold on. I hope you know that the grace and the love and the mercy and the favor of God is as real for you as it is anybody on the planet. And just because something happened in your past, it doesn't disqualify you from an amazing future. Because God forgives sin when we ask him to forgive sin. I'm glad you're here. And I ask her permission to share this. If you've ever struggled with that or wrestled with getting over something like that, you can, you can have a conversation with my wife, Shannon, several years ago. She had an abortion, and she would tell you, she would tell you about the love and the grace and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God, and if you're contemplating it, she literally told me, she said, tell people if, if you're thinking about it to talk to her. She's easy to find tonight. She's, she's got on some yellow pants. <laughs> you can find her. I'm not, I, love, I love those, babe, by the way, but you can, I'm just saying you can see her. I believe there are two genders, male and female, and God decides, not us, and especially not a seven-year-old. But if you're here and you're wrestling with gender dysphoria, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful for you. I want you to know God loves you, has an incredible plan for your life. I, I think that parents are the best people suited to raise their kids rather than the government raising the kids and talking about sex. Because let me ask this question. When was the last time that the government got involved in anything and it got better? True question. So, so it doesn't mean we can't have a view, but what happens if, is if we don't see eye to eye, we sit down and talk face to face. We don't yell at each other on social media. And then the second part of this is If we are not open to what Jesus wants to do in us, we will become calloused, bitter, and miss out on his best for our lives. What scares me the most as a Christian, I'm a Christian, so I'm not scared of hell. By the way, if you're a Christian, this earth, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. By the way, if you're not a Christian, this earth is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. I'm not scared of hell. I'm scared of missing out on what God has for me. And Here's what I know. If we will stay committed to his spirit and his word, it's impossible to miss out. Because he wants us to know his plan for our lives more than sometimes we want to know it. But if we resist him, we become calloused and bitter and miss out on his best. Which leads to what I was alluding to earlier, the most, one of the most epic verses in Scripture. But he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. How did he pull that off? Was it a Jedi thing? Was he like, these are not the droids you're looking for? And then everybody just kind of parted the waters? Now, I can't prove this. Nobody, I, I read stuff about this, and nobody can really... Nobody can really put their finger on why this happened. I'll tell you what I think. Now, this is not in the scriptures. This is just my thoughts on it. I think for one second, just for one second, he let just, uh, let people see his glory just for like a second. When they saw it, they just froze. And he just peaced out. Because Nazareth had no room for the work that Jesus wanted to do. No room. I can tell you, I've been to Nazareth. It's not much. It's not much. These people were the first people that had the opportunity to recognize the Son of God. And they resisted him, tried to kill him. They had no room. So, I'll shut it down like this tonight. Y'all pray for me and Shannon. We are in the process of trying to bring a baby into this world. Now, some, pe- some people might say, well, Pastor P, I know how that's done. Yeah, yeah, but see, I had this surgical procedure done several years ago, and it gets a little bit more complicated, so we had to get science involved. And, and we're in the process. And it's, it's been a bit difficult lately because we're talking about names. She keeps sending me just weird names, y'all. She went to hippies.com or something, I don't know. Star, I was like, we're not naming our baby Star. It sounds like we smoke weed, okay? If you're, if you're naming Star, praise God for you. I, I shouldn't have said that, okay? And, and then she's against... My, like we have a boy, I want to name him Boaz. Like I've always wanted a Boaz. I think Boaz is a strong name. It's a good, godly, biblical character. But she said, "No, we can't name him Boaz because you'll be like Boaz. Sit your ass down. Get your ass over here. Shut your ass up." And I was like, "I was like, honestly, I didn't think about it. But that's pretty good, babe. I like that. I like that." But here's the deal about our house right now. Our house is full. We got me, Shan, we got a couple dogs. She's got an office, I've got an office. Karis has a bedroom. Got a master bedroom, like everything's full. How jacked up would it be? We got this brand new, and and brand just babies are so beautiful. They're, They're squishy and they're just, they're cuddly and they're just amazing. What if we brought this baby home and we got to the door and we said, Aye, Boaz. Got to leave your ass outside because we don't have room for you. No, in order to make room for our baby, we got to rearrange the inside of our house. See, that's what, that makes sense, right? Think about that work of God that he wants to do in our life. It's so good. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. Are we going to leave it outside? Or are we willing to make room in our hearts for whatever he wants to do? So, Father, right now I ask in the name of Jesus that you would stir our hearts by the power of your spirit and by the power of your word. God, that you would pick a fight. You would disturb us. You would shake the ground of religion that we stand on. God, that you would call us to repentance. That you would call us to confession. God, that we would know that we can live in freedom. God, we would know that you are good and that you have great plans for our lives. Jesus, that we would not only confess you as Lord, but we would follow you as Lord. Knowing, God, that we stand in surrender, making room for all that you wanna do. We ask this, Jesus, we declare this in your name, in Jesus' name. Jesus, you've heard us declare it in song. And God, I pray that right now that we would come to you with a posture of surrender, knowing that anything that you want for our lives is better than anything we want for our lives right now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room I'm just kind of curious standing right where you are if you need to make room for Jesus to do something if there's something you need to confess there's something you need to say yes to if you need to speak with someone about anything that you're going through we got a care and prayer team here that's amazing. And you can step out of your aisle and walk out the back doors of the church right now on either side and somebody will meet you there. We'll pray for you. We'll do anything we can to walk alongside of you. Maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. And and tonight you realize, you know what, tonight, I need Jesus. I need Jesus Christ to come into my life and take over. I need need to become a Christian, a Christ follower. If that's what you know your next step is, I'm going to invite you to pray and ask Christ to come into your life standing right where you are. And I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. But you're not going to have to pray it out loud alone because our whole Second Chance family, we're going to pray this prayer with you so you will know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by so many people. So if you know you need to receive Christ, you pray this with me in second chance family let's pray it with them just say jesus christ i know that i'm a sinner and i need you as my savior i believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins and right now jesus i declare you as lord come into my life and take over in jesus name i pray now with head's bowed and eyes closed all over this room if you just prayed that prayer i want to pray with you and i want to pray for you so i want to know who you are if you'll do me a favor if that's you and you just prayed that prayer would you hold your hand up high and just hold it up really high so i amen amen hold it up really high hold it up really high hold it up really high all over the room all over the room praise god praise god amen god i thank you for these hands wow all day long jesus you've saved people all day long you've changed people's lives all day long jesus you've brought people from death to life We pray that every single person that raised their hand would walk out of this place knowing that you have an incredible plan for their lives. We love you, Jesus. Man, let me back down for just a second, let's just have some acoustic and some um, maybe some piano I want to do one more thing before we leave and I promise I won't take a ton of your time but I want to, Ed can you bring the house lights up for a minute, everybody I want to speak to my friends from Labor of Fields last week when we found out about the wreck that you guys were in our whole staff prayed for you guys and if you've ever doubted God has a plan for your life You're still here. You're still standing. God has a plan for your life that is going to blow your mind. And I want you to hear. I want you to hear. There's a church that loves you guys, believes in you guys, stands with you guys. And when I saw y'all walk in tonight, I could barely hold it together. Just know I just wanted to speak life over you and say we thank God for you and we know that for you the best is yet to come. Y'all let them know how much we love them and we care for them and we're thankful for them. You guys have a great week. We love you guys. We'll see y'all next Sunday.